Section 48 of England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World Story, Volume 10, England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. Edited by Ava March Tappan. Section 48. Gladstone's Fight for Home Rule, 1893. From the Atlantic Monthly. William Evort Gladstone, 1809-1898, through 1898, was the son of a wealthy merchant of Liverpool. He entered Parliament at the age of 23, the follower of Sir Robert Peel, and rose from one position to another. From the beginning he manifested unusual ability in finance. He professed Tory principles, but in 1866 he supported Lord Russell's bill for the extension of suffrage and the redistribution of seats in the House of Commons. In 1867, he became the leader of the Liberal Party. The following year, he was made Prime Minister. He succeeded in bringing about the disestablishment of the Irish Church and in winning some measure of reform in the Irish land system. He was made Premier four times. In 1894, he gave up political office, and in 1898, he died. Gladstone's only rival was Disraeli, but Disraeli's sparkling oratory was more than balanced by Gladstone's solid principles disraeli was ambitious and ready to adopt new standards that promised preferment gladstone changed his opinions more than once in the course of his career but never to win a personal success his place in history is that of a reformer in finance and a defender of the rights of the english people of all classes the editor and now came the part of mr gladstone's public life which brought both his statesmanship and his character most seriously and most bitterly into dispute called again for the third time to be prime minister of england he accepted the great office virtually at the hands of the irish party without whose support it could not be held and with it he accepted their program of home rule for ireland the wisdom of mr gladstone's course is more questionable than the sincerity of it the subject on that side is too large for this article yet a few words must be said in his first plan submitted to parliament on the eighth of april eighteen eighty six he proposed to give ireland a distinct legislature with substantial independence in the control of its domestic affairs but to silence its voice in the larger affairs of the united kingdom by taking its representation in the imperial parliament entirely away the liberal party was broken by the startling proposition eighty-five of its members seceded and joined the conservatives to defeat the bill mr gladstone appealed by a dissolution and was beaten in the country overwhelmingly the seceding liberals taking the name of unionists formed a coalition with the conservatives in a ministry which held the government under lord salisbury for six years until the parliament expired then mr gladstone still full of vigor and firm in his resolution to give home rule to ireland renewed his appeal to the people the elections of 1892 went against him in England, but favorably in Scotland and Wales, and strongly favorable in Ireland, of course. Without the Irish members, he would be heavily outvoted in the House. With them, he had a majority of 42. On this dubious verdict, he undertook his fourth ministry, and brought forward his second Home Rule Bill. It was radically different from the first in plan, giving Ireland 80 members in the House of Commons at London, with no vote there on matters affecting great britain alone and a domestic legislature of two houses at dublin the commons passed the bill and the lords as expected threw it out 
mr gladstone saw the uselessness of a dissolution or of agitation against the peers he went stoutly through other business of the session to the end and even to april of the following year then he resigned he had finished his political career in these home rule measures mr gladstone had set his hand for the first time to an important undertaking of constructive statesmanship and the verdict must be that he was not equal to it his life work has been in reforming statesmanship in that he has had no peer he has been we may say the greatest of those peaceful revolutionists who lift and carry nations forward out of old conditions into new who reconcile their institutions with advancing time and make them participants in the progress of the world but this reparative work most useful perhaps that true statesmanship can do wins commonly less of the admiration of mankind than the framing of political systems and the building of states bismarck and cavour among gladstone's contemporaries are more than likely to rank above him in present and in future opinion as belonging to an order of statesmanship that is superior in its kind the justice of that opinion is far from sure it turns mostly upon a question of weight and moral qualities that are widely opposed but the fact of it is to be recognized and so too is the fact that when gladstone attempted a serious work of constructive statesmanship he failed a grievous ending for so great and so noble a career it ought to have been ended for him in the serene contentment of some crowning success in no procession of noisy triumph but by some flower-strewn and beautiful way he should have gone to his retirement with a happily satisfied heart he had done so much for england for britain for ireland he had laboured so long so hopefully so valiantly so hard he had struck without favour or fear at so many wrongs he had remembered so faithfully the whole people and borne so calmly the selfish resentments of a selfish class he had warmed the very heart of the world so often with his generous enthusiasms he had been for half a century so inspiring a figure in the eyes of all mankind so chivalrous in standing for right one feels that there might fitly have been a trooping of all the people of british race to say hail and farewell to him when he went out of public life gladstone's place in english history will be high and it will be quite apart from any other he will have no near companionship in his fame it will be we think an eminence assigned to moral qualities more than to intellectual powers the very sincerity that his enemies have denied to him will be counted perhaps the loftiest of his claims it will be seen that few men of brilliant gifts and great ambitions have sought with his earnestness for the right in which they did or have stood with his courage by what they found it to be when he braved the scorn and anger of the church which has always been more to him than to most of its priests and challenged by the same act his own past in order to do justice to the people of another creed and when he made a righteous peace with the boers in the face of a storm of english wrath he rose to a greatness in character that will be measured in future time with clearer eyes than now the persuasive witchery of his eloquence will be poorly understood by generations to come it is not found in the word the phrase the argument or the thought it came from the most part from the spirit that warmed the breath of the man sounded in his voice looked out of his eyes it was personal to him largely drawn from the moral qualities that seemed to be his greater distinction no man of his day has had such power of persuasion as he it may not be too bold to say that no man of any time has surpassed him in that power yet he was never logically strong his argumentative writings the most carefully and deliberately composed show defects of reasoning that are marked 
from controversy with an antagonist like professor huxley he was sure to come with wounds yet his masterful influence over minds of every class is a certain fact it was once said by somebody that gladstone could persuade anybody to anything himself included and no doubt the epigram carries a significant truth fashion a man finely and largely and make him to be tensely strong in every part of his whole nature but inject a little barely a little excess on the moral and emotional side a little more of feeling with pressure of conscience behind it than logical judgment can quite control and we shall have the persuasive man who is over persuasive sometimes to himself on the great scale as in gladstone it produces a rare and splendid power for the kind of work he had to do a rare and splendid character for the delight and admiration of mankind it kept him in the strength and beauty of youth till he died it did more for he was younger in spirit younger in the generosities and hospitalities of his mind when his work was finished than when it began he at least in this questioning nineteenth century found wellsprings of faith in both god and man and drank of them to the end, end of section forty eight